We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna. Doc Marone is leaving the Buffalo Bills. He had an opt-out clause in his contract, and he opted out. So who are some likely candidates to make their way up to one Bills drive in Orchard Park? The Buffalo State uh, Bills, as you know, have hired a new head coach, and that coach is Rex Ryan. I know it's been, you know, 15 years since the uh, the Bills made a playoffs. Well, get ready, man. We're going. There's no doubt we're going to be aggressive. I, I think that statement's going to be answered early. Are we going to do ground and pound? Yeah. You're, you're darn right we are. Are we going to throw it? Yeah, we got Sammy Watkins outside. Why, why wouldn't we throw Well, it? if you look at our, our, our offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, and how he is tight in heavy, uh, if you look at those three years when he was at San Francisco with Delaney Walker and Vernon Davis, he's going to be an integral part of our offense and what we're trying to do. How the f*** do you trade LaShawn McCoy to the Buffalo f- Bills? Bills have waived 34-year-old team captain Fred Jackson. Rex Ryan announced... That Tyrod Taylor is your starter. I think Buffalo is a team on the rise. All right, and that montage, boys and girls, touches on what a crazy offseason it's been here in Buffalo, New York, for our favorite Buffalo Bills. I'm Drew Gear with Chris Kruger producing, and this is the Rock Pile Report. The season ticket holder, I sit in sections 200, row, six, row 7, seat 16. If you ever want to stop by, say hi. You can also find me on Twitter at Rock Pile Report. So, anyone out there, if you were looking for different, well, you've gotten it. Our team has had coaching drama. We've seen hires by ownership, new owners making their first moves, kind of putting their their fingerprints on this organization, a GM making bold and aggressive moves. That's it seems so otherworldly from what we're used to, and another new starting quarterback. This is your 2015 Buffalo Bills, everybody. I know that a lot of the a lot of the things that have gone on, you know. There's been so much change, and this team looks so drastically different from the team that we saw less than 12 months ago. You know, we've got people who look like they know what they're doing at coordinator positions. Nate Hackett always seemed to me like he was overwhelmed. Just he couldn't adapt to the pro game, but because he was one of Marone's guys, Marone just let him go. And Marone himself bailed on us the way he did. 
I mean, that's, it just felt like another this is what you get for being a Buffalo Bills fan moment. It, Rex even alluded it, to it in the opening press conference. Uh, he said something along the lines of uh, they need like an honest coach or a loyalty, in his, which is definitely taking a shot at Doug Marone. Well, then who, why shouldn't he? To hell with Doug Marone. I've had a, you know what? That guy was a coach that everyone wanted him. Everyone wanted to look at him like he was something new, something fresh. Some, what he was was a guy from college who got to the pro game and realized he couldn't hack dealing with athletes who get paid instead of collegiate players. I thought it was always amazing that you go nine and seven, and there's supposedly all this disconnect with your your head coach and. I don't know how, how what that speaks to the Bills for going nine and seven. If that just speaks to the amount of talent that we had on the team. Mm-hmm. Well, that was then. This is now. This is your 2015 Buffalo Bills, everybody. First and foremost, one of the most exciting things we got going on right now. Right now, everyone, get out your phones because you're all about to get some T-Mobile in your lives. That's right. Tyrod Taylor is the winner of this year's quarterback derby. It's one of those situations that you see it and you look and you laugh. God knows I do. I've had to eat so much crow. So much crow. It's incredible. It's incredible. I promised that I would eat glass, and I'm really hoping no one holds me to it because I never thought in a million years Tyrod Taylor would ever be the answer for the Buffalo Bills. But after seeing what he's been capable of, you know, seeing what he's actually capable of in a live game setting and seeing how he plays the quarterback position, I can understand why this coaching staff and this offensive coordinator likes him. You know, he's got running, his running skill alone brings a whole new dynamic that we've never had at the quarterback position. That's way better than what EJ has as far as running. Yeah, EJ's, EJ's a quarterback who runs. He's not a quarterback who, he, he's, he's not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback who can run if you ask him to. Plus his numbers are better when he's throwing outside of the pocket and on the move. Exactly. With Tyrod, I think one of the biggest things you're going to see is that his running skill, it helps to freeze. You saw it a lot, and I saw it a lot when I went back and looked at some of our preseason games and actually broke down some of the tape. His running ability freezes those safeties and linebackers. They don't, they're afraid to leave the box because if you do and he decides to turn up field in the middle where there's nobody there after they clear out to go cover a route, you're giving up a minimum of six to seven yards. So you almost have to devote one of your defensive players to that to that guy, which leaves you shorthanded as a defense. You're taking one of your guys completely out of the equation and making him responsible just for the quarterback position. You know, and it also helps to manipulate safeties into opening up throwing lanes to the outside, little hook routes and you know things of that nature. I know that there was, a, there was an article this week by Harry Skull for the Buffalo News, and he wrote it about players around the league reacting to Tyrod being nominated our starting quarterback. And I thought that one of the most interesting quotes came from um, Laurinaitis, from the, the linebacker for the St. Louis Rams. He saw a lot of Greg Roman's offenses playing for the Rams in that division. And the one thing he said is that they blend what they do. I'll, I'll give you his quote. They like to blend a lot of their stuff. In San Francisco, they would do a lot of 22 personnel with two tight ends and two backs. Suddenly, then they'd go to 13 personnel with one back and three tight ends. And then in the next play, back to 12, one back and two tight ends. But sometimes they would run the same plays out of all three of these. <laughs> Their formations aren't reused a whole, a whole bunch anymore. And it forces the communication on defense to be great. 
Because when guys move on special formations, you have to communicate or else the play fails. That's from, a, that's from an all-pro defensive, defensive player. And the son of a professional wrestler. <laughs> I love how people forget about that. The Legion of Doom. <sighs> Road warrior, hawk, and animal. I love the fact that people used to show up, though, to the games, the Rams games, with the spiked shoulder pads on. I would the totally paint. do that if he was playing for the Bills. Oh, man. It would be so much fun. But so hearing that coming from seasoned defensive players, you know, they know it. They, get, they know what they're going to get out of any team that plays us is going to get out of Greg Roman. And I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it come to fruition, and I hope that it, you know, I hope that it comes to pass. He showed better accuracy, I think, than I was ever going to give him credit for. I think his short to intermediate passes that he threw were crisp. His release was quick. He didn't take too much time identifying where he needed to go with the ball. And the other thing I liked was that he didn't run from the pocket. I expected when I saw him come out to play that you were going to get a guy who at the moment's notice, would the play started to break down, when his first read was covered, he was just going to take off. And instead, you saw him stepping up into the pocket and going through his reads, which is something I didn't know he was capable of. You might also attest to that being that we have an offensive line, and he had time to go to his second, third, fourth looks before taking off. Yeah, I think that the, uh, the improvement on our offensive line can't be overstated. You can see it in Roman's offense. He schemes. He makes his, the way he divide, designs his plays, too, it puts our offensive linemen in great positions to succeed. You know, they're not, he'll put extra tight ends out there just to take some of that linebacker pressure off of the quarterback. Some of them are just decoy routes, but he still goes out there and puts them out there with the, with the mentality that if I send one tight end, somebody's got to account for him. If not, hey, that's a great pass. It could be a short little dump off pass, but it's a pass. And at the same time, it's a safety valve if the play breaks down. But then if it's not, one linebacker has to account for that guy. So that's one fewer rusher. It's, it's great seeing his game plan you know, unfold in the middle of plays, and I'm really excited to see it during the season. I haven't been this excited for a, a Bills season in, in years. because we get, we get new head coaches three, two, three years at a pop, and it's just, well, let's see what he can do. Let's see what Gailey can do. Let's, let's see what Jerron can do with nothing mm-hmm. and now that we have new owners that are willing to spend the money on players and coaches, it's, the outlook is up for the Bills for this season. Absolutely. And even though I'm a, even though I'm a Bama fan, roll tide, um, <laughs> I'll still root for Tyrod Taylor. So now we look at E.J. Manuel, who is now our de facto after the release of Mac Castle. He's our de facto quarterback number two. I don't know if we'll add a third quarterback. I'm sure at some point they'll kick the tires on some of the guys who get cut from other rosters. EJ Manuel, I think this is the best case scenario for EJ Manuel. He gets another season. He showed he showed that he's progressed as a passer from where he was last season and where he was when he started training camp this year. He made some fantastic throws against Pittsburgh. I don't know if you watched the game or Oh, I watched it. Okay, so you didn't go to the game. But there were there were Throws that he was making that he was dumping over linebackers and in front of safeties, just dropping dimes, which we've never seen before from EJ. Yeah, sadly I didn't see that in person because I don't go to 
preseason football games. Every year I get my tickets, I give them away, friends, family, anybody who doesn't normally get to get out to a game. Because I can't justify, not only is the... Not only is the product subpar because you're getting a game that doesn't mean anything with players that aren't actually going to play, but at the same time, I can't help myself but drink heavily during a football game, and I don't know if my liver can take an extra four games of that on top of the normal 16-game schedule. <laughs> so, so I don't do the whole preseason football thing, but I do like the fact that EJ came along well, I think. I think as the, as the preseason progressed, we saw more and more out of him. You saw more out of him in camp. And I think a lot of that has to do with Rex not giving him any credit. I like the way he handled EJ. I like the fact that he wasn't showering him with praises when he had good practices. In fact, he almost went out of his way to disregard some of his accomplishments, almost in hopes of pushing him a little bit farther to see if he's willing to continue working on it. So I think EJ, EJ's style of quarterback play fits Greg Roman's offense. You have Tyrod Taylor, who's faster than EJ, and can they'll probably we'll probably see a bunch of option plays, and I think EJ Manuel, if Taylor gets injured, can run uh, option based offense. Oh, I think so too. I think that's and I think that was a lot behind the decision to cut Matt Castle. He's the he's the second most expensive backup in football. He was making what four million? Four point one is what we would have ended up paying him, which is absurd, especially for a team that has a lot of big contracts coming up. A lot of big contracts. They said they want the Darius deal done before week one. So you have to have cap room, which it's actually kind of cool because according to Sport Track, no team in football cut more cap space this offseason at the cutdown date than the Buffalo Bills, shaving $22.8 million in cap that can all be rolled in the event that we need it. Gilmore. That's Darius. Gilmore, Darius, Gladham. I don't think we're going to re-sign Glenn. Uh, you and I have butted heads about this a, few, a little bit. I, I feel like you have to re-sign your left tackle because they don't grow on trees. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They took one at number two, I believe. He was, the, was he the number one? I think he oh, was no. the one. He was the number one because I bet a round of shots with a friend of mine that it wasn't going to be a the, tackle. It to was going to be the tackle, one. but it was going to be the one who went to Luke Jokel. I thought he was going to be the number one. And when he wasn't, I was shocked. That blew up in my face, $42 (laughs) later. But Eric Fisher has not been what they expected him to be. He's a right tackle at best in the NFL. And you just spent the number one pick in the draft that year on him. You can't find, you can find talented players in the draft, but left tackles that are quality don't grow on trees. And so I think that's the reason that you bite the bullet and find a way to keep Glenn. Well, next year we got a first round pick. Again, yeah. So I think our first round pick, really, I think the. I'm not sure if it matters of what we do this season, but I think our first round pick next year is taking on a quarterback, with a second round pick taking on a tackle to replace Glenn because he's going to walk. Well, I'm sure we could touch base on all the possibilities for draft picks in another episode. But getting back to my point, we cut Matt Castle. We saved all this money in our cap. We also did something that no one, there was rumblings about it at the beginning of training camp, and no one wanted to believe it was true, that Fred Jackson could ever be shown the door. It was done. Not only was it done, but they never even offered to have him cut salary. They didn't, they simply gave him the, Fred, thank you for your time. Here is your, here are your walking papers. Good luck to you wherever you land. We were talking about this before we started, and players aren't going to dictate where they finish their career. 
It would have been great to see Fred Jackson finish here in Buffalo, but nowadays nobody plays for one team no, at all. There's been such a such a community uproar about this Fred Jackson release. I get it. He's a great guy. He's an upstanding human being. I've met him personally, and he's just he's, he comes he, off as genuine. He's fantastic he's in the a community. Great human being. But let's talk about all of the other Bills players that were legends that didn't end their careers here. Okay, Thurman, Bruce Andre, Smith, Bruce, Daryl Talley, Daryl Talley, one of my personal favorites, Daryl Talley, Henry Jones. None of these guys got to got to retire as a Bill because that's what happens in the new free agency era of football. You just can't do it. Not only that, but I, they cut him. Okay, because we are stacked at the running back position. Carlos Williams is a young kid who showed a lot of explosiveness and upside. Then he hurt his dick. <laughs> he, he had a hernia. He had a hernia is what we're going to call it. It's a very private matter. I think both he, Rex Ryan, his mom and dad would appreciate it if you leave it alone. <laughs> I, I think it was crazy how they went out of their way to, oh, well, for his privacy. Can't you just say the guy had a hernia? Everyone knows what that is. But they made it out to be some big secret. Like People were talking about him having an STD and all these things, and I was just laughing because it's absurd. Whatever. At any point, all of these, he got cut because there, we have young guys like Bryce Brown. Bryce Brown, if he can hang on to the football, is a good running back. He's fast. He, he can make cuts. He's a one-cut runner, which He's I like. He's 10 years younger than Fred Jackson. Yeah, and Fred Jackson's coming off his second serious groin injury in less than 12 months. That's it. It's one of those things, yeah, you might still have a little tread on the tires, but we're not going to sacrifice the ability to you know, get our young talents some playing time just to keep a guy around who was a fan favorite. Well, he, I think he also offers a good, a good head in the locker room, being a good locker room guy, especially when we have Percy Harvin and Richie Incognito in our locker room. Well, I think that also tells you then what Rex Ryan thinks about his ability to control the locker room. And Eric Wood and guys like Kyle Williams and players who are really starting to... Kyle Wood, I, Kyle has been there forever. Wood is growing into that role as the elder statesman on offensive line. And so I think between those guys, and there's another couple guys around who have been here long enough, they can kind of have that... You know, Aaron Williams is starting to take on a leadership role. He alluded to it himself in a report that was on GR. You know, he said that he knows that he's going to take, he's got shoes to fill, but that's the natural evolution of sports. Those guys don't just get to hang around forever. So someone's got to step up. What I'm curious, though, is everyone's take on what this means about Doug Whaley. What does this tell us about our GM? Because in the past, we've had, I don't want to call them do-nothing GMs, but we've had a front office that was grossly inept. They've mismanaged this team for the last 15 years to the point where even when we had top 15 draft picks year after year after year. Mike we, Williams. We had, a, we had cap money to, you know, we had cap left over to spend on free agents and go out and do things. We just somehow always managed to fumble. Like, much like Bryce Brown, we managed to fumble the ball out of the back of the end zone, and every season we were left sitting there looking at our losing record, asking why. Why can't we, when 31, when 12 of 31 other teams every year make the playoffs, why can't we ever be one of them? Why have we been bad for so long that, you know, because we're not doing anything different. 
because our guys had continued to try to do things the same way. The old guard was in charge, and that's the way things got done. With Pagula and Doug Whaley, I think it's completely different now. We've got an owner who's willing to spend whatever it takes. We've got a GM who's young, and he's hungry, and he's smart with some of the things that he's done. He's been aggressive. He's not holding back on going for what he wants. He's created some contracts that I don't think we've ever seen in Buffalo before. No, and hopefully he'll be able to do that with Darius and give him a hundred million. Because mm-hmm. McCoy got a hundred million, mm-hmm. Sue got a hundred and fifteen million. Darius deserves in between there or around what Sue got. I've been saying it for forever. You start off if all of the teams that win do it because they get to a certain talent level and then they maintain that same level of talent. That is because you keep your cornerstone players and you pay them well. You draft well to replace your players who are going to eventually wash out of your system and leave for free agency. You draft to replace them a year ahead of time. That's what Ron Darby is. Ron Darby is the replacement for Leotis McKelvin. McKelvin may not play until, I mean, he's out now until week six, but he may not play even beyond that. And when he does come back, he's going to cost another $4 million against our cap next year. If Darby can acquit himself well to the pro game, Who's to say that we don't need to let him go and see what else is out there? Not that he's a bad player, but that's how, that's how winning teams do things. And it's, it's refreshing to see that in our organization. It's kind of like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Whaley is the GM Buffalo deserves, even if, it, even if people don't like him very much right now. Yeah, it'll, uh, this season is going to be insane with Rex Ryan and with the talent we have on defense and all of Greg Roman's upside on offense. It's I haven't been this excited for a Buffalo Bills season in forever. Yeah, it's it's going to be cool. Uh, it's going to be cool to see. I'm excited. I'm so, I'm so pumped about this. Now, roster cuts. Were there any surprises? Because I'll tell you this. Probably Richardson. I saw some names come through here. Roster cuts. On our team, Groves and Bryant. Red Bryant was a starter for a Super Bowl winning team. Two years ago. Two years ago. I thought that he could have some potential in this in this defense just to come in and be a rotational guy. The fact that we cut him means that our coaching staff is sold on the depth that we have, which scares me because there isn't a whole lot of it. Um, I think Cyril Richardson, his lack of athleticism was his problem. He was a bad pass blocker because he wasn't athletic enough to really bend his knees and get out and kick slide, which tackles usually do. But at the same time, guards have to be able to pass block with their head on a swivel, and he couldn't do it. So they they cut him. They moved on. I was shocked. I do think that he's got a job somewhere on one of the other 31 teams in football. Oh, he's got to get picked up. I mean, he's a pretty good defensive tackle. I mean, I guess he got outplayed by... The other Bryant on our mm-hmm. team, Corbin Bryant, he played he played really well against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He had a good sack on uh, Roethlisberger on mm-hmm. the first opening drive of the game. Stephon Charles and Corbin Bryant are good players, and I don't think anyone gives him any credit for it. I mean, if you look around the NFL, there's been some other cuts that I found shocking. Isaiah Battle. You're talking about a kid who just got drafted with a fifth-round pick in the supplemental draft, which no one ever uses the supplemental draft unless you know a guy's going to be good. The Rams took him with a fifth-round pick. They, they don't get their pick back for cutting this guy. And now any, he's exposed to waivers, which means any team in football could pick him up. 
why did you – I think the Rams, you're going to see some changes in their front office too if they can't start winning football games because they – I had a talk with a gentleman I used to work with, and I, I had questioned about Jeff Fisher maybe being on the hot seat this year, and he, he looked at me like I was, I was crazy. Fisher's one of those coaches that I think his name and his former, he's kind of rested on his laurels. His former accolades have gotten him jobs. They've gotten him a lot of credit. And I think that's why he's, he's stuck around for, with St. Louis for how long exactly. he has. Exactly. But what has he really accomplished? It's, the NFL is very much a what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And it's, that's the way it operates. It's a machine. Yeah. And if you're you don't have, fit, they will find someone to take your job. You're going to have a tough time trying to win in St. Louis when you got to see Seattle twice a year and San Francisco twice a year, but San Francisco is going to fall off the ledge this year. Another, well, not shocking cut, but Trent Richardson. Done. Trent, Trent Richardson. Done. You want to talk about going from hero to zero. <laughs> he should, I'll tell you what he should do. Jim Brown, Jim Brown said that he was an average back at best coming out of the draft. How right was Jim Brown? Jim Brown, he, he pegged it. I think that Trent Richardson, I mean, I'm sure his agent's out there right now pumping phones, trying to land him a gig. But in all honesty, I think that he should start taking practice reps, waxing cars at Delta Sonic. Or, shot, or you know, lifting, you know, bending down, lifting, putting boxes on shelves at Home Depot, because that's what he's going to spend the next year doing. I don't see a job for him in the NFL this year. No, he's, his career's over. And then, I mean, there's some other guys, Tim Tebow. Done. Tim go Tebow, back to go back to SEC Nation. Go to Canada because Canada, the guy doesn't want to be a broadcaster. I'm sure he does, but not now. Not now. He's still got some athletic chops. So if you're going to do it, do it, man. Go to Canada. They'll love you. They'll eat up your game. You'll run around. You'll score a bunch of points. Maybe land on a great Cup winning team, and it'll be the greatest thing that you've ever accomplished. I'll probably like be given credit for uh, raising the Canadian currency level. For showing showing up in Canada. Jonas Gray. How about Jonas Gray getting the boot? One week superstar. But that's that's New England for you. New England, they don't care. Bill Belichick is adamant that he does, he has full roster control and he does not care. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about what you did for him a week ago. The kid missed a meeting, got benched the following week. Another running back played well. No one ever heard from Jonas Gray ever again. Well, even Reggie Wayne, he asked for his release because he said it wasn't fun. No, but there's two sides to that. It's a game. It's a game that these guys get paid a ton of money for, though. Bilicek, his, his teams are a machine, and the reason why is because he takes the fun out of it and tells them it's, a, it's work. Show up. They're, they're doing an NFL network is putting out a special. A football life? Not quite. It's not one of the football lives. It's do your job. That's his famous quote, and that's the whole onus of it. His last season, the, you know, the whole season's rundown with the Patriots and the way he does things, and that's been his eternal quote is, do your job. This is work. It shouldn't be fun. And there's, a, you know, there's been a ton of guys cut around the league, and it's, it's crazy to see. Devin Still was one of those ones where you see him get cut. He even said it. He said fans were angry. People were angry at the Cincinnati organization for letting him go. He told them all to back off. He took to the internet to tell all of his fans, listen, don't be mad at Cincinnati. They did everything they could for me and my daughter. I'm sure you remember the story. His daughter had cancer, and they kept him on the practice squad so that he could still have health insurance to pay for all of her cancer treatments and things. 
Which is commendable. Which is, it's beyond commendable. It's one of those things, it's a class move by an organization. You know, this is a very unforgiving league. So to see something like that, it lets you know that there's still a human element to the game, which is nice. You know what I mean? It's refreshing. And he kind of took to the internet to just tell everyone, hey, lay off of them. They've done so much for me and my family. If, you know, I can't blame them for wanting to do what's best for them. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy offseason around the league. Phil Taylor from Cleveland. The guy can still play. He was a stud defensive lineman two years ago. His money, 5.7 a year, and he's got a bum knee. Was he a part of the Julio Jones trade? Yeah. I don't know if you saw the the graphic Mm -hmm. that either ESPN or NFL Network had, but the Browns got nothing for Julio Jones. They got Brandon Whedon, Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor, Brandon Whedon, Trent Richardson, and who else? There was one more player who is no longer with their team. Doesn't matter because they suck. Hey, if anyone out there is listening, hit me up with the information on Twitter. I'd be, I'd be interested to see who that individual was. So, taking a look at our roster, just to try to firm the whole thing up, you know, after all the cuts, everything's said and done, we go into the season with two quarterbacks. You know, we've already discussed that. Four running backs. You know, and all of our guys have talent. Booby Dixon and Carlos Williams are going to be good special teamers. We've got a lot of different guys who can do a lot of different things. I like that position group. Fullback, Jerome Felton is going to be an underrated hero for this team, I think. If he can stay healthy, I love the, fa- I love the fact that some of Adrian Peterson's biggest years came behind him. I like that. He's a guy who knows, how, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a veteran. And he's a multi, I think he's made the Pro Bowl three times. I have no idea. I didn't know fullbacks went to the Pro Bowl. No one should go to the Pro Bowl. But, yes, he is a Pro Bowl tight end, a Pro Bowl fullback. Speaking of tight end, we have five of them. Five tight ends on the roster. Five. Somehow, Chris Gregg, Nick O'Leary, and Matthew Mulligan all showed that they couldn't cut any of them. So we disposed of an offensive lineman to save Nick O'Leary's job. What, what does that tell you about his, not only Roman's game plan, but also how much, how little he thought of Cyril Richardson? Yeah, and how much, how many tight ends we're going to use. How many jumbo sets are the Bills going to line up in with having five tight ends on their roster? Well, if you think that's crazy, we somehow also found a way to keep seven wide receivers. Seven of them. Marcus Thigpen, because they like him as a kickoff, as a punt returner. That's your only job. I'm assuming Percy Harvin is going to be returning kickoffs. So you gave a guy a roster spot specifically because he's a punt returner? I, I'm hoping that there's another move to be made there. Offensive guard, we've got three. You know, our offensive line is pretty much set. We all kind of knew how that was going to pan out. Our defense, three ends, five tackles, five linebackers. There's no surprises among any of the names. Our safeties... We tried to trade a receiver, I guess, to make room for Jonathan Meeks. And when they couldn't do it, they had to cut him because they liked our receiver depth too much. Cornerback scares the hell out of me because we're talking about five of them. You're keeping five cornerbacks, Darby, Roby, Ron Brooks, Mario Butler. Mario Butler looked good, but he's your last guy in, and you've got Leotis McKelvin on the NFI for the first six weeks. <sighs> And we kept the kickoff specialist. I think we're the only team in football to keep a kickoff specialist. We were last year, so it should be no different this year. I can't say I agree with that move. 
I don't I agree with it. I don't agree with it either. Keep Dan Carpenter. In other news, the Deflategate saga is coming to an end. <laughs> At least we can only hope. Because I swear that's going to be... Deflategate's going to be the thing that kills us all. That's it. They need to just shoot this thing in the face and <laughs> put it to rest, bury it, and be done with it. I never want to hear the term Deflategate. I don't want to open up Google and see hashtag Deflategate. On any, I, I'm done. I'm sick of the whole thing. Brady has been exonerated, and he's going to play week two against the Buffalo Bills. I personally don't care. I don't give a damn. It means more to me that Tom Brady's going to be out there on that field and that we're going to get New England's best shot in our house. I like that. I like that if we can, if we can beat them here, we can carry that into our next game. Instead of having to spend seven weeks, I think week nine, we play the Patriots. Something like that. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Well, we're going to go over that soon, but... Talking about, we don't want to want to go into that game having the whole run up to it be, oh well, the Bills won, but last time Tom Brady wasn't on the field, so you know that win doesn't really count. I don't want any of that. I want to know that if we beat them, we beat them at their best, and that we can do it again. It makes the league look bad. Am I alone on that? Am I the only one who thinks that Roger Goodell just looks like a jackass at this point? What? <laughs> <laughs> What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! No, because every suspension he's put out, I think, has been reduced. Bounty Gate, Greg Hardy, everything's been reduced. He's 0-4 when his punishments get appealed outside of the CBA. What do you think? How do you think the owners feel about this? I mean, the league office, I mean, you've got Pro Football Tech pumping, about, pumping out articles about how the owners are upset because they think the league office now has to do all this work to restore its credibility. <laughs> really? <laughs> Can you feel the tension in the air right now? Arthur Blank said something, but I didn't read it because I don't like the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a little bit of that ATL bias. Oh, yeah, I hate the Falcons. <laughs> one of the worst sports cities in America. And- They're all transplant fans. <laughs> Well, it's because it's a city full of transplants. Exactly. And just as a side note, I just want to point out that under Roger Goodell, suspensions in the year, in the 2015-2016 season are at an all-time high. According to SportTrack, 130 total games are going to be missed, and $14.2 million worth of game checks are going to be missed by NFL players this season. Is that absurd? I think some of the things that guys get suspended for, they should be. I'm not, an apolo- I'm not going to be an apologist for any of these guys. I-, I think as a professional athlete, you've only got a couple things that you really have to do. One, show up to practice every day. Two, work hard, keep yourself in shape. Three, show up and perform on game day. And four, stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. How hard is it to not go out and raise hell and shoot a gun in public, Andrew Corliss, in, in a fight with a bunch of women? You're arguing with women and you're discharging a firearm in the air. Stay home. <laughs> All right, if, if you're that stupid that you don't know that that's a problem, stay well, home. Well, if you stay home, you celebrate the 4th of July with a firework going off in your hand. <laughs> Come on, JPP. Knock it off. These athletes need to get smarter. They got to get smarter about this stuff because it's not going to get any better. All right, so as I was saying, this, as I said before, this season's been crazy. The offseason as a whole, not just for the Bills, but for the entire NFL, it's been interesting. I think that this is, hopefully this trend doesn't continue as far as Goodell, his problems, 
You know, I, I could see Goodell getting replaced at some point soon. I think that the NFL rose to prominence under him, but now they're getting to that point where there's so many extracurricular things outside of the game that are taking people's that are taking people's attention away from the game in a negative light that the owners may look to eventually do something different at that position. But ultimately, you know, now that I, I feel like most of this stuff is gonna go away. Live football, games that mean something, that's the cure all for everything. All this off-season nonsense seems to go away once the real games start. And that's where we are right now. We're going to talk about our Buffalo Bills 2015 season preview. That was high when I said that, first or last. You, you can be second, you can be third, fourth, hell, you can be fifth. <laughs> there is no fifth. There is no fifth in our race for the division. This year, number one. If you ain't first or last, that's, that's what we're shooting for. And now I'm just looking at the schedule, trying to think about how we're going to get there. <laughs> it all starts next Sunday. Next Sunday, September 13th, at, at the Ralph, Andrew Luck is coming to town. Okay. Week one, we host the Indianapolis Colts. I love it. The storyline of that game is going to be, can our, can our pass rush and our safety play and our cornerbacks can they be enough to overcome Andrew Luck and the number of weapons that that team has? Rex, uh, 2012, Andrew Luck's rookie season. Jets beat the Colts 35-9. Luck was 22-44, of 44, 280 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. I think the keys to that game, it's going to be their, their offensive line isn't great. They have – it's – Throughout Peyton Manning's entire tenure there, they had a decent pass-blocking offensive line, but they never had a great run-blocking offensive line. And that's because they had Peyton Manning. They didn't have to. I think that that's kind of become their Achilles heel, though, when it comes to... You know, that's why they've ne- they have yet to make it to a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck as their quarterback. They have the quarterback play to get them there. I think it's still early in his career. It is early in his career, but I think that that franchise needs to do a lot more to put more talent on the offensive and defensive lines around him. They just lost Arthur Jones. Arthur Jones is getting ankle surgery, which means he may be IR'd, and if he doesn't get IR'd, he's at least not playing against us. See, I, I think when you said putting talent around the team, Ryan Grigson, one of the worst general managers in the NFL, and he's not going to get looked. He's not going to get looked at like that because he drafted Andrew Luck. He drafted Andrew Luck, and he can ride Andrew Luck's coattails to an extended look as a. What G- other great picks have they made? T. Y. Hilton was a late round pick, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You knew who else was a fantastic pick for Indianapolis was Jerry Hughes. Thank you, yeah. we appreciate that. <laughs> and then they traded Vonte Davis to Cleveland. For Trent Richardson, mm-hmm. horrible move. I mean, how did that pan out? How did that pan out? I think that Grigson has a lot to do with their team's failures in the postseason. So that game right there, us against Indy, game one, they don't have any tape on us. They don't know what we're going to throw at them. They haven't had time to see it. I think, I think that game, it's hard to say win or loss. For me, I want my heart says win, but my brain says they're probably going to find a way with our beat up secondary. That's the reason why I have it down as a loss because we have Ron Darby in the secondary. Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's going to be looking at him 
all game, and he's either covering T.Y. Hilton or Andre Johnson. Yeah, there's no doubt he's going to get picked on a little bit. So it's going to be up to Rex to try to come up with a scheme that prevents that from doing critical damage to us. I think the key to winning that game is going to be ball control. Complete ball control. Do not turn it over. You have to be smart. You have to put on time-consuming drives that are going to end with points. I don't care if it's field goals. You have to get points on every possession, and you have to make them count. Force turnovers. That's it. That's how you win that football game. And I don't know if we can do it, but I think they're going to give them their best shot. Luck does have a little bit of a gunslinger mentality, so there could be a chance where we get some, you know, one or two interceptions on them. Week two, New England Patriots here at home. It's the same question we've been asking for 15 years. Can we beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Because they have... Did in 2011. They have been taking us to the woodshed for the better part of a decade. Think about that. Some of the most lopsided losses we've ever had as a franchise have come from the New England Patriots. Well, now that we have Rex Ryan and with with how much talent that he didn't have with the Jets the last two, three seasons, Rex Ryan against the Patriots, five of the last six games have been decided by less than a touchdown. Yeah. With no talent. He's found ways to keep them in those games. I will say this. If we want to win that football game, you cannot let them start running the ball. You can't let, their, you can't let them rush the ball at all. You have to put everything on Tom Brady. And even then, you still have to find a way to keep him in check. I think it's just you got to pressure mm-hmm. Brady right up the middle. Mm-hmm. That's, always been his, that's always been his downfall because he's not very mobile. He, no. can't, he can't roll out the way some of the more athletic quarterbacks can. And you know that we're going to get – because Darius will be back for that game, and he's going to mm-hmm. get double teamed. And I don't know what kind of game – I mean, I'm not as much into the football schemes as you are, but I don't know how much that will play into running a um, linebacker blitz mm-hmm. and, and well, just pressuring some... Brady right from Brandon the Brandon Brown have been very good at blitzing in the A-gap, and I think that's going to be a thing you're going to see. I think you're going to see a lot of pressure packages designed to bring guys, you know, running stunts where Kyle and Marcel are going to create pressure and you're going to see one of our DNs pull around and try to come around their back up the middle to try to get that rush. Or a guy like Manny Lawson line up as a stand-up linebacker and then shift over and follow Marcel up the gut to try to get a shot at Brady. You're going to see a lot of these things because that's how he's gotten – you mentioned Rex Ryan's ability to limit the Patriots to scoring points. It's how he's done it. He finds guys that you don't normally expect to come from the angle they're coming from or the place they're coming from, and he puts them on you. So it'll be interesting. I, I have a hard time calling it a win. Until they can prove they do it, I'm calling it a loss. I'm, I'm calling 0-2 to start the game. Yeah, now that we know that Brady's playing that game, I, that might be a loss. Although I do take into account that Rex has more talent on defense that he's had the last three years with the Jets, and he's been able to hold uh, the last five out of the six to less than a touchdown. I think we would have, we'll have a chance, but um, I think it'll be a loss. So you're calling one and one, I'm calling 0 and two. From there, we take on the Dolphins. Week three, their home opener. No, I mean, they're, I'm not ever overly impressed with Dolphins fans. I think that 
I think that the way they support their team, they, they have a hard time selling. They'll sell out games because corporations buy up tickets and they put, they put butts in seats, but they're not fans' fans. They're very casual fans. Yeah, Miami's pretty much a corporate market. And yeah. They'll, you, they'll buy all them up. Their stadiums, for a lot of their games, Miami Heat games, they have a hard time getting a really raucous crowd there for a game because a lot of the people who show up are just there because it's a sporting event in Miami. Yeah, and they're probably there on business. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're watching the game. They're talking business in a suite. Or Now, the thing about the Dolphins is they're a team trying to make a name for themselves. They improved their defensive line this offseason. Obviously, Sue, you land that guy. You're yeah, they improved their offense by 15 yards backwards with his <laughs> unsportsmanlike penalties that he brings to the team. The thing I don't understand about the Dolphins is that they have questions at a lot of positions. Their linebacker depth is thin. They don't have a whole lot of talent at the linebacker position. Their cornerbacks aren't that good. Well, I shouldn't say good, but they're not deep. They don't have deep cornerbacks. They also don't have safeties. Louis Delmas got hurt again. He tore his ACL, which is why the Lions didn't bank on him. And now they're kind of patching that position together, too. So I, I think that there's ways to attack that defense. I mean, in all honesty, they've been, you know, you look at it, you have to find a way with their secondary and their linebackers to attack their defense intelligently. And if you and Greg Roman seems like he's he's up to that task, and I think if they can accomplish that, I don't know how many dynamic weapons. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's not a, sh- a schlep at quarterback. He's good. How many complementary weapons does he have around him? I think he's got Mike. No, he doesn't have Mike Wallace, right? Nope. No. Wallace is gone. Wallace is a Viking now. He's got Jarvis Landry at receiver. Kenny Stills. He's got Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is good for a couple deep balls. Kenny Stills was one of those guys who I think was a byproduct of playing with Drew Brees. That's just my opinion. I think he was a guy who looked better than he did. Kind of like, um, what is his name? God. Team? White guy, concussions all the time. Um, Wes Welker? No, played for Peyton Manning with the Colts. Uh, Jesus. Um, Well, hey, if anyone out there on Twitter knows the answer, feel free to send it to me. But, hey. He's a, he played with a great quarterback. So when you play with a top five guy, he's going to make you look good. And he wasn't good enough for them to keep around. So I think you're, what you're going to see, I don't think he's going to keep up that level of production coming to Miami. Ultimately, they're a team that doesn't scare me as much as they should, and I think that game's a win. And then we, we come back home for the Giants. And then we come back home for the Giants. Now, you're talking about a team that, it seems like whenever Tom Coughlin's ass is on the hot seat, that team finds a way to rally up and win. He's been to two Super Bowls, won, two, won both of them, but outside of that, his seasons have been painfully mediocre. Yeah, he's probably on the, uh, on the hot seat for this season. But I, I think just with week one against the Colts, our downfall is going to be uh, Ron Darby. Because we do, they do have Odell Beckham and Victor Cruz is coming back from injury, so I, I think that's like the matchup to watch is if Darby can cover whoever he's covering. Yeah, you're talking about a team though that's just riddled with injuries. I mean, they lost they lost uh, Kevin Booth, their starting left tackle. 
he's out for the season. They've lost a number of players in their secondary. In fact, it was a thing. It was a joke online. They were talking about it because there's so many a bunch of Giants players were laughing at the, the, the names of some of the guys that were getting kicked around as safeties and cornerbacks and for, during the preseason for the Giants simply because they couldn't feel the healthy secondary. They had guys with tweaked ankles, twe- tweaked knees. Eli, I mean, Eli's not one of the top quarterbacks, but he is a Manning, so he is pretty good. And I think that he will, just like Andrew Luck in week one, be able to pick at Ron Darby, and that might be the downfall for the Bills in that game. I have, I have, that, as a, I have that as a loss. See, for me, that game turns into the tale of two Mannings. Who are you getting? Are you getting the Eli who comes out and throws for 320 and four scores on you with no picks? Or do you get the Eli who throws for 250 with two picks and a fumble because his offensive line falls apart under our pressure and he panics and just starts hucking it around? That has been the story of his whole career. So you have... Bills beating the Giants there week four, five? I have them beating them. Just to make a note, (laughs) the New York Giants started nine different players in their secondary at safety and starting cornerback over the course of this preseason. Nine. And some of their guys, like Collins, the guy they just signed in the second, uh, drafted in the second round this year, he's not even healthy enough to go yet. They're in a lot of trouble, and I think if we can catch them early enough, I don't, I don't see that there's any way that they have the ability to touch us as far as we're going to grind them down and then we're going to abuse their lack of depth, and that's how I see us winning that football game. So I have us now at 2-2, two and two, going into Week 5, Rex against the rookie out of Oregon, the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota. We're going to go down there to Nashville, and we're going to put them to the test. I will say with Rex's first year with the Jets in 09, they saw Tampa Bay rookie Josh Freeman, and they pounded them 26-3. Freeman, 14 of 33, 93 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. And I only bring that up because that's when Rex had a talented defense, almost like what he has now with Buffalo. Last year... In his final season with the Jets, with a talentless defense, the Jets uh, faced Minnesota and Teddy Bridgewater, and they lost in overtime, thirty to twenty-four. With Bridgewater going nineteen to twenty-seven, three hundred nine yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, see, so they've they've really done some you know, some great things with those Rex Ryan defenses against rookie quarterbacks. And a lot of it has to do with the pressure packages. Rex Ryan likes to put seven guys on the line at the snap and drop a couple of them back into coverage. And then in other times, he'll send the jailhouse blitz. It's hard enough for veteran quarterbacks to keep up with that, which is why Tom Brady and other guys struggle against Rex Ryan-led defenses. But it's even more so for rookies. And I think that's why you see those kind of stats out of rookie players against his defense. It's kind of like what you alluded to with Andrew Luck. He struggled hugely in that game. Turned the ball over a lot because he's, he, they're not used to seeing blitzers coming from those types of angles. 
or having the athleticism to fake a blitz and then drop back in a shallow zone or something like that to cover a short route to a tight end. So these guys' mentality, their mentality in college coming into the NFL is just they're acclimating to the speed. They're trying to use that tight end as a safety valve. So when they see a, when they see guys coming at them, all they do is they, you know, people are getting in their face. They put the ball up to where they think their safety valve is. But what they don't realize is that that guy was already taken away before the ball ever got snapped. They knew that that was your safety valve, and that guy's waiting to pick you off. And that's what causes a lot of the turnovers and struggles for rookie quarterbacks against those types of forms. Yeah, I don't think the Tennessee game is anything to be worried about. I think the Bills take that one handily. So now we're a we're a three and two Buffalo Bills team. We come home and play the Bengals. I think this is a team that you have to beat if you want to if you want to claim that you're a playoff contender. You have to beat the Bengals at home. Oh yeah, it's got to be the it's got to be those games in the schedule that are uh, in your conference that you also the teams that you placed with the previous season, which would be Cincinnati and Kansas City that we play. We have to win that game. Because when it comes down to week 10, 11, 12, and you're watching the game at home on CBS, and CBS flashes in the hunt, and we're up there, mm-hmm. this is a game we got to have. Oh, you have to have it. You have to have that game in hand over that team. I think the way we win that game is you just got to you got to force Andy Dalton into errors. Contain their running game, because they will run the ball. They're, and they got two great running backs. You have to contain the running game. Protect the ball. Don't commit your own turnovers, and just see if you can hold Dalton in check. If you can do that, you have a shot at winning the game. I picture that being a high-scoring game. I think both teams are going to get to a point where they just start taking shots, and I think it's especially with AJ Green, oh, they're going yeah. to test our secondary a lot with AJ Green. Yeah, Gil- the Gilmore Green matchup is going to be going to be one to watch, and hopefully, Gilmore is not injured for that game. Yeah, that's we're we're gonna hope that we have. We're also gonna hope that we have Leotis McKelvin back by that point because we're gonna need all hands on deck for that game. That's a must-win game. Well, yeah, he com- well he comes back after week six. He can come back after weeks. Well, yeah, after week six. So yeah, you're right. We can't even have him then. It's gonna be interesting. Darby better not be a sieve because if he can't handle bigger receivers. You're going to have to put Gilmore on him, which means you're putting Darby on a smaller, faster, you know, Marvin Jones, someone like that. It's not. Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed, Mohamed Sanu is a sneaky pickup. Fantasy alert. <laughs> if anyone out there is paying attention, Mohamed Sanu is going undrafted in most formats for fantasy football. Last season, he had a three-game stretch where A.J. Green didn't play, and he acclimated himself quite well. And I think that at the end of a draft, as a Hail Mary pick, you could do a lot worse for yourself than Mohamed Sanu. That takes us right into Week 7. Week 7, huge return for Week 7. This is going to be... Murder your family! <laughs> this is going to go down as the Marone game. That's it. Simply build the Marone game. Yeah, and we get Cromer back. We're playing a sub... Murder your family! <laughs> We're talking about going into London. You know, jolly old... With kegs and eggs, kegs and eggs for that game. Nine thirty a.m. kickoff. Nine thirty a.m. kickoff on CBS. So you're going up against on a neutral field a subpar team with a below average line that just happens to be coached by your former head coach who embarrassed your franchise by opting out of his deal and running away with his with with his four million dollars. 
I don't think there's a way we can lose this game unless Bortles comes out and becomes the you know, proves that he's the next coming of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, barring anything unforeseen, I see a win, but I don't want to. I don't want just a win. That's not enough for me because I'm petty and I'm vindictive, and I know that, and I know those aren't great character traits. I want blood. I want carnage. I want to see us smash these guys. Not even. I want to see them embarrassed. Plus, it should be around the time that Blake Blake Bortles gets his weapon back, his tight end, Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas made a decision to chase money instead of rings, and it's a decision every pro athlete has to make. Hey, I can't fault him, but I think he's going to miss. He's going to miss Peyton Manning an awful lot. Yeah, I wouldn't. If I was a player at receiver or tight end or running back, I wouldn't leave Peyton Manning for the money. I'd want, I'd want the rings. I'm a Bama fan. I love TJ Yeldon. I think that was a great pickup by their organization. But I'll tell you this. If you don't have an offensive line, you can't run the ball. I don't care how good you are. You don't run the ball. You can't pass the ball deep. The defense will crouch down in a 20-yard box on you and just make you try to make something happen. And you can't do that consistently and succeed. I think we win that game as well. It's going to be a, it's going to be a blowout. Just like I think like all London games have been blowouts. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a blowout. One. No, last year's game with the Falcons and Lions was actually really good. I was oh, the yeah. only one. I was the only one awake. Went to a house party, Oktoberfest party the night before. Was the only one awake to watch it. <laughs> and they started down twenty-one nothing at halftime. Came out, came back, and won. And won by keeping Atlanta from scoring at all in the second half. It was it was a great game, and I think both teams played well. And I like the idea of the whole European game. I like it. Players complained about the field a little bit because it's not the same, but ultimately, I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's refreshing. It's something new. Yeah, and we'll come back and have our bye week after the London game, and then we will host Miami Dolphins. I hate Miami with it. I, anytime you ask me a season prediction. I have two wins against Miami just because I hate them. Yeah, well, it's hard not to hate the Dolphins. I mean, look at all the history we have between the two franchises. We had the Marino and Kelly era, which was great for football. It was great for our division. It was great for our teams. O for the 70s. O for the 70s. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we walk into our matchup with the Dolphins. Tannehill sucks in Buffalo. Period. Book it, W. Yeah, there's no way around it. It's a win because Tannehill can't play here for anything. Our pass rush combined with the crowd noise here, he just something happens to Tannehill. He turns to Jello. He doesn't know how to. He can't put on accurate passes. That's the thing. It's not like he turns the ball over a ton. He doesn't. Yet he can't complete accurate passes. And that's what ultimately costs his teams every single time they play here. The defensive line is, and again, against their offensive line in the trenches, not even close. Bill's D-line is going to dominate that all day. Oh, it has to. Th- those are my keys for victory here. Pass rush, crowd noise. Crowd noise with an exclamation point. You could, ch- cha- you could change that to pass rush, me, 
<laughs> I plead the fifth on any such shenanigans. I I don't know that I've ever maybe had a Chardonnay or three and decided to go into the go go to my seat and maybe get a little loud, rowdy, raucous, run around the stands like I own the place. I have no idea. I plead the fifth on all that. What I as I open a beer. <laughs> What I will say is that after a relatively sober bye week, we're going to be ready. The rock pile is going to be rocking. It's going to be crazy in there, and I don't think Tannehill stands a chance. Yeah, plus if our record is going to be, I mean, I have it at about five and three. You you go into the middle of the season, for the Bills at least, with a winning record, we as fans just eat that up. Everyone talks about them with Jordan Cameron. By this point in the season, I fully expect Cameron to be nursing some type of an injury. I mean, the guy's a couple concussions away from ending his career. I just, I get why they signed him, because we signed Charles. They knew we were going to land Charles Clay. We crafted, when we heard that they were going after Sue, we built a contract that they could not meet. His first year is relatively low in the cap hit. It's his second year in the contract, which is when all of Sue's money kicks in which is why they couldn't match what we were offering him. Yeah, plus I think if uh, you know we have to, we can always restructure contracts to fit in. Oh, absolutely. Darius and Gilmore and Bradham. We have, we have a crafty GM. He's proven so far that he can get things done, and that's the hope. But going forward, I really do think that's a very winnable game. I would be shocked if we dropped that game, and I'm calling that a win for the Buffalo Bills. As am I. Win for Buffalo. Which leads us into Thursday night football, ladies and gentlemen. Short week. Rex Ryan going back to New York City to play his old team. High drama, if you will. It's going to make for some great television. I'm sure the commentators are already, they're just chopping at the bit. They've got one-liners, zingers. They've got, <laughs> they've got lead-ins and different things pegged that they're going to talk about when they're focusing on each head coach and how Todd Bowles has taken over the team, and how Rex Ryan's doing this. But I'll say this. Rex Ryan, I, I'm hoping everyone shows up hungry because Rex Ryan, he's got the recipe. Can we not run the ball down their throats every snap? That's what I want to see tomorrow. Do we understand what the f*** I want to see tomorrow? Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. <laughs> Show up hungry, baby. Rex Ryan is going to bring the ruckus. The way we are going to win this game is we're going to... They have... They, they've now restocked their secondary. After a season that saw them just get slashed in the passing game, Sammy Watkins had how many deep balls against them in two games? I think three or four? Yeah, and one that he celebrated way too early. <laughs> oh, that was his welcome to the NFL moment when he decided to celebrate before he actually got to the end zone. But they got gashed in the passing game last season because their former GM spent no money on the secondary. The new GM did not hesitate to put the band back together and get Revis, get Cromarty. They bought him. They brought in Buster Screen. Let's well, aside from the secondary. Let's not forget what they did at the draft, and they got Leonard, Leonard Williams. Williams. The Sh- Mo, Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams on that defensive line. They have the best interior defensive line rotation in football. I'm I'm not, even as good as our defensive line is, I'm willing to say that they have the most talented defensive line in football right now. If, if barring injury, if everything pans out the way it should. 
the way we're going to win this game is establishing a running game. I don't know how we're going to get it going, but that's going to be the difference because they're going to be expecting us to pass, which is why they have their, those, those, they brought in all these cornerbacks. They want to be able to shut teams down while stopping the run. We're going to have to run the ball, and it's going to be strength against strength, clash of the Titans. I'm talking a low-scoring football game, and I still think the Buffalo Bills win it by a field goal. I don't think that the Jets are talented enough to – to win any game against Buffalo this season. I would think Buffalo's going to have both games against the Jets. And it's, I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to the defensive line for we both going, teams. If we were going position by position, strength against strength, or even just side of the ball versus side of the ball, their offense against our defense doesn't scare me. Doesn't. We had Chan Gailey. We saw what happened. As soon as people figured out that Fitzpatrick can't throw it deep, it was all over. So unless they plan... Unless they plan on bringing back uh, Gino, I just don't see them. I don't see them being able to put as much pressure on us on our defense as we put on theirs, and that's going to be the difference in the game. That's why I'm calling a low score. It'll be like the Patriots Jets games, where they come down to a final score: 17-13, fourteen to ten. And Thursday night football games always have a way of just being a flop, anyway. So I'm yeah. calling a low-scoring game. I think 14-17 sounds about right. They made the – they made – when they brought back Thursday Night Football for the entire season, they made it where everybody gets a primetime game. So the crappiest primetime games always end up on Thursday. Oh, it's awful. And NBC has it the best. They get Sunday night, plus they get to flex games later in the season. Two so, years ago, I watched the Tennessee Titans play the – Tennessee Titans play the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday Night Football. Because I'm a junkie, I couldn't stop watching it, but it was like when you rubberneck at a car accident. You don't actually want to look at it, but you do just because there's nothing else going on. <laughs> it's terrible. Makes perfect sense. So I'm calling it a win for the Bills. Now, where does that leave us? That's got, for me, that I think we'd be at 6-3. and three. I think I have three losses by then. Six and three football team. We turn around from Thursday night football and go into Foxborough on Monday night. That's going to be fantastic for ratings. Oh, the ratings will be through the roof. It's, like I said, high drama. The Rex Ryan brings his own kind of flair to football, and that's why he's such a popular choice for people. People like to watch him. Even if they hate his guts, they still, even if they hate his guts, they still watch him. I think that game, they're going to give us hell. They always do every single time we go into Gillette Stadium. I think our advantage is the coaching staff because Rex has held the last five out of six against the uh, Patriots with the Jets' crappy personnel that he had under a touchdown. I called a week two loss to the Patriots. I'm calling a loss to the Patriots here. I don't think this is the season where we get one over on Tom Brady and them. My heart says I want it. My head says it's probably not going to happen. Plus, you wonder, with the defensive lines that Brady sees this season, being us twice, Jets twice, Dominican Sue twice, you wonder if Brady could make it through a season. But their offensive line has always, they lose starters and replace them with guys that we've never heard of. I mean, you're talking about their rookie, Brian Stork. 
No one knew who he was. Then he went down. They replaced him with another guy. I can't remember his name. Alan Solder got hurt. They, they threw a guy into his spot, and that guy did well. They shuffled their offensive alignment with no names and backups and street-free agents, and they come out looking phenomenal. After the Kansas City Monday night game. Then they turned mm-hmm. it around. Oh, Because you called in to show up in the Bulldog. <laughs> on that game. I remember you had told me about that, and I listened to it. And you had talked about how their offensive line that night was a tire fire. It was a disaster. And then they made a couple moves, put some guys in different positions. Had guys playing, you know, Marcus Cannon. He's not the best offensive lineman, but they put him in the show. They gave him a crack. And guess what? He, he, he played for him. He turned into a gamer. And slowly they built that team into a machine that rolled all the way to a Super Bowl. That's what they do. It's what they are, and until we find a way to stop it, this is what we're left to deal with. And that's why I'm, I'm calling this game a loss. So now we're a what? What's our record? Seven and four? Six. That's what, week 10? Mm-hmm. Week 10, six and four? Six and four. Sadly, I would take that. I would take that over... I'd take a winning record. <laughs> I've been longing for playoffs... I would take a winning record coming out of September. All right, and that leads us to the home stretch of our season, the final six games. I'm looking at it. I see Chiefs, Texans, Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys. We play the majority of the NFC East back to back to back, and two of them are away. This is where we play out of six games, we play three away games. It's incredible. Like, the end of our season just ends so poorly. One, two, three, four out of the last seven weeks are away. I think as a whole of our season, we're going to Kansas City. That's as far west as we're going to go. That's and, and the travel aspect of it's nice. The thing I hate is that right there in the middle of a season when a team's really trying to gel, it's going to put a lot of, t- it's going to put a lot of pressure on them to have three consecutive away games. One, two, three, against teams that are probably going to be jockeying with you for position for a wild card. Is it Houston and Kansas City? Houston, Kansas City, the Jets. All on the road. All, well, Houston's here, but the Jets, the Chiefs, the Patriots, two of them are in our division. One of them we should hopefully be trying to vie for a division crown with. The other one is a team that's very much... I don't believe that the Chiefs are going to best the Broncos this year. So that's a team that's going to be in the wild card home with us. We have got to win that football game. I have the Kansas City game as a loss. And I'm basing that on Bryce Brown last year. <laughs> Two years ago, Jeff Toole. See, that's... You can't put that on them, though. This is a there's different a, team. A way, it's a different... There's a way we're going to find to lose that game. We did it when we had Jeff Tool in, and then last year, Bryce Brown fumbles into the end zone, and Scott Chandler can't get it with his giant frying pan hands. But using your logic, then I should be able to go one year farther and include when we shellacked them to open the season. I think we scored 40 points that game. 41, 40, I think it was 41-7. to seven. I just remember that I made a bet with a friend of mine that I was going to shotgun a beer every time the Bills scored. And I didn't make it to the final whistle. That's a five beers in a shotgun. D- didn't make it. Passed out. <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> Woke up halfway through the four o'clock game, wondering what the hell happened. 
you know what happened was the Buffalo Bills happened to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we have an ability to win that game. Their offense doesn't scare me. They have one good receiver now. They, it's like they addition, subtraction. They lost Bo, but they gained Macklin. Yes, he's. And you still have Travis Kelsey as a weapon and Kel- tight end. So they have three bona fide. Charles, I'm not discounting what he is. He's a great running back, and he's a big receiving threat at the running back position. But I honestly feel like our defense is primed. At this point, they've learned to gel. They've learned to play within his scheme. Rex is going to scheme up for this game, and they're going to come out firing on all cylinders, and we're going to win that game. I still have I still have that game as I think we lose to the Chiefs. It's just okay. something we've historically done over the last yeah. 15 our, years. I will say that I, our record at Arrowhead Stadium is not good. The Bills is a franchise. We have a losing record there. So you could be right. We come home the week afterwards after this long road trip. We play the Texans at home. No team in the NFL mirrors our team more than the Texans. Great defense, no quarterback, or unproven quarterback, if you will. And a good, if not great, running game. Yeah, if if we wonder if Arian Foster will be back by then. Mm. And then you have Hopkins on the outside. They're already talking about Arian Foster being back early in the season, early October. What if he gets injured again? Well, and that's the thing. Is he going to be able to hold up to a whole NFL slate? But even without Arian Foster, I still feel like the Texans are going to be a handful. But I think it's a winnable game because they do not have an elite quarterback. And that's been the thing that has plagued the Buffalo Bills for years. We lose to elite quarterbacks. But our defense has gotten to a point now where we have, we have the pieces to combat that. We also don't have J.J. Watt. <laughs> no. there's J.J. Watt, there's actually a clip if you watch Hard Knocks. There's a clip of him talking about how he flips tires. Okay, that's I've what he, seen that. I've been watching uh, Hard Knocks on HBO Go. Those tires weigh hundreds of pounds. Hundreds of pounds. He can flip one of those tires the length of the football field. Yeah, he flips, he flips them at like 60 a clip. He's a freak. His, he has a quote. It's one of, the, one of the coolest things I've heard in a long time. It's one of my personal favorites. It's that... Greatness, you can't. <laughs> greatness isn't owned; it's leased, and rent is due every single day. That guy goes out there and trains as hard as he can, keeps himself in peak physical condition because he wants to continue being the best athlete he can ever possibly be. There was a clip in Hard Knocks, if you'll remember, where he's working out the jugs machine. This is a t- this is meant for wide receivers. Is that where he was, he was catching one-handed, one-handed and then he was moving closer yep. to the jugs machine? Mm-hmm. And he then he'd wants, switch and he catch one-handed? He wanted to train himself to catch one-handed at the line of scrimmage because he wants to know that he's the best at his position and that he just keeps working at it. The guy's a freak. That game is going to be a fist fight. I have that game as a loss because J.J. Watt's going to do something incredible and we're going to lose the game because of it. I could see it. Didn't last year. Then we go on a two-game road trip. The Eagles, Chip Kelly and his college, his college spread option offense. Sam Bradford, my guess is he won't be playing by this point in the season. Absolutely My not. guess is we'll be playing Mark Sanchez, which would make for good TV. Mark Sanchez. Sanchez. <laughs> Mark Sanchez against Rex Ryan. But even if they do have... I, I, 
he was one of those guys, Sam Bradford, that I always kind of wanted the Bills to chase because he was better than what we had. But I knew in the back of my head that he's not hes not ever going to – you can't ever feel comfortable when he's your quarterback because you could health. look at him funny and the guy will fall over with a torn ACL. Exactly. His health is his, – his health is insanely bad. Always he's injured. Always injured in college, injured in the pros. He's – can't rely on him to be your starting quarterback. So even he, if at this point in the season, Chip Kelly still has this, this is another tough game, but it's a winnable game because their defense doesn't intimidate me. It really doesn't. They put up a lot of points in fantasy football, but that's because they get a lot of interceptions and return touchdowns. We don't play the type of offense that's going to lend itself to turning the ball over through the air a lot. So they're going to limit their they're going to limit their chances to make mistakes. The only thing I like about their defense is their linebacking. I mean, their linebackers, now with Kiko Alonso, are good. On paper, they have a great trio of linebackers. Michael Kendricks, Kiko Alonso. Plus, Kiko already knows the defensive system that Chip Kelly's trying to run as they were together at Oregon. That's true. And that's one of those things that, you, you know, Chip Kelly's been trying to put the band back together for years. He's getting all of his... Oregon players, and he's pulling everyone together because he wants to try to replicate what he did in college. Yeah, I just he, don't think he feels it, that it's it's not the talent in the player; it's the talent in his system. And he feels that he can plug in any player to play in his that's suited for his system. The thing that scares me is you know who he's really good friends with, Bill Belichick, Belichick. and you know who does that better than anyone, Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. I th- I think that that game's going to be a fist fight. Where do you think we go? I have that down as a win, and I think it's going to be because of Sean McCoy. McCoy is going to have that fire in him <laughs> to run all over his former team. McCoy back in back in Philly, probably getting booed because Philly fans are notoriously scumbags. I'll say it. If there's anyone out there listening right now, you're all dirtbags. How about that? You're the crowd that put batteries in pill bottles and threw them at T.O. when he came out for practice one day. That's who you are. They also boo Santa Claus, and I don't like that. <laughs> I'm very pro-Santa Claus, Philly. Re- Leave him the hell alone. Very pro-Santa Claus. <laughs> very pro-Santa Claus. So after that, we roll into <laughs> we roll into the Washington, quote-unquote, team that shall not be named. <laughs> We're going to roll in there And smash them Who's going to be their starting quarterback? Colt McCoy Colt McCoy Maybe uh, RG3 Maybe Zach Dysert when they pick him up off waivers Gus Farratt Gus Farratt <laughs> He dug deep for that one Alright so At this point the Redskins are who we thought they were in week 15 They are They're a team no quarterback. They're a, they're a rowboat with they're one a mess. oar. They you are, are a mess. You are a rowboat with one oar. I don't see the Redskins doing anything significant. My honest opinion of their team, after seeing everything that's happened to their franchise in the offseason, they're a team that's they're building a running game for the future. RG3 is not a part of that future. The GM wants to move on. The owner won't allow it. Eventually, it's going to happen naturally. His contract's going to run out, and they're not going to renew him, and he's going to go somewhere else. And he'll move on. The franchise will find another quarterback. They're going to spend their cap, and they're going to spend their draft picks on cultivating kind of what the Bills have done. 
no quarterback, so you build around a strong running game, and you build up your defense. And you just hope that that's enough to win you football games and get you back to prominence while you search for the answer at quarterback. I don't think this is their year, though. I think this is a year where they finish with a lottery pick, one of the first three. They're going to go down. They're going to they're gonna finish. I have them and the Rams. I, there's a whole group of NFC teams that I have jockeying. The Tennessee Titans, I honestly see them finishing with a top five pick, too. I, I could see Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't. I've always wondered with when it comes to, to, to building a, a quarterback for your team, Tennessee just drafted Mariota. He's got no weapons. Is it better to build a franchise by getting your quarterback first or get weapons and then get your quarterback? Well, Andrew Luck's living proof of the fact that you can have a garbage team, slap a good quarterback on it, and they'll make some noise. But are you a real Super Bowl contending team year after year? We'll even look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson, and they had no quarterback last year. They get the first pick, Jameis, Win- Jameis Winston. Is he gonna is he gonna be able to get those two guys at the ball? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a fair yeah, that's a fair question. But in any event, I don't see us losing the Redskins at all. It would take something catastrophic for us to. It's this is the game that we have against them is going to look a lot like the one we had in Canada, where we just shellacked them. And the very next, the very next day, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed his fat deal. That was the la- That was the only only time Mike Shanahan has ever been shut out was Buffalo and Washington and Toronto. Sets us up for our Week 16 matchup with the Cowboys. Goes for the Dallas Cowboys, and we're the Bills. And I can't wait to rub this in his face. He's been telling us this for over 10 years about Dallas. No, it's the Bills. Buffalo all the way this time. Three times. The third time is a charm. Dallas is going down, Gary. Only Buffalo is going to win it. <laughs> wow. We all know how that ended. <laughs> yeah. Thank it's- God. I just want to take a moment to say that thank God that I was too young to really understand what was happening when all of that was going on. I give my dad a lot of credit for not just, not right then and there, just going up, taking a six pack on the roof. And then just swan dive right off the edge because I don't know what would happen if I had to sit through four Super Bowls and every year, one, we break and lose in heartbreaking fashion, and then we just get blown out in all the other ones. The 52 to, 52 to 17 Super Bowl, which I believe that's what Mark Miller was talking about. Leon Lett gets that uh, fumble recovery and returns it. That Super Bowl goes down as the largest deficit ever, and I never wanted to be a part of being that team. No. That belongs to Denver. 50, One of my favorite quotes 55 of all time. To 10. Someone brought up on Sports Nation, someone brought up Don Beebe, and they were like, Don Beebe? Who remembers Don Beebe? And out of nowhere, to come up with, Leon Lett remembers Don Beebe. <laughs> Leon Lett remembers Don Beebe. I think... The Cowboys coming here into Buffalo. The last time Romo played here, 
It got ugly. It was Monday Night Football. There was a lot of slurs being thrown around. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna you know expound on that. But what I will say is, people who lived within miles of the stadium could hear the things that were being chanted, and it rhymes with Romo. And he threw five interceptions, and then we lost in heartbreaking fashion. Typical Bills heartbreaking fashion. This time around, I don't know. I think late late in December, you know, you're talking about. <sighs> is it gonna snow? Snow. Is weather. Poor weather. They're a dome team. But they do have the best offensive line in football. So you could almost come into that game, and Dallas, they don't need to throw the ball because they have the best offensive line, and they can just try to run on us. And this is where we're going to have to meet them. This is a smash-mouth football game. It's going to get ugly. There's going to be a lot of fighting in the trenches. They're going to try to – the key to this game is – Establishing our own running game against that defense. Not turning, you know, obviously not turning the ball over, but not putting ourselves in third and long. You don't want to have to throw here in Buffalo in December. That's not a thing you want to do is third and seven, third and eight. You want to find yourself trying to, you know, convert third and three, third and four. We have got to get the running game going, and their defense is going to be good. They were a team that went almost made it to the NFC Championship last year if it weren't for a poorly officiated catch call. Oh, yeah, that, that was basically catch. just a makeup call for the week before. That's all it was. It was a makeup call for the call that they blew in the previous game against the Lions. I don't know how that was not a catch. <laughs> no, I, I don't know either, but what I do know is that I think that game's going to be tight. I think we win. I think we win. I think they have so many wins under their belt that they they don't have as much riding on it as we do. And because of the losses that we took to the Texans and the Chiefs, we're still trying to scrap it out to make sure that we're in wildcard contention. I think the game means more to us than it does to them. They're com- they're on the road. They're in a bad situation because it doesn't play to their strengths with the bad weather and everything else. I think that we squeak that one out. I, their experience, I think, would be too much for us to handle. I got Dallas winning that game. We'll agree to disagree, my friend. And then there's the final game of the season, the Jets here in Buffalo. Rex Ryan gets a chance to just stake his claim on a playoff spot by crushing his former team. That's I, here, right? Oh, it's here. Oh, it's here at the Ralph. I feel like we pull away with that game. I, I feel like we have to. The, I think the Jets it, have historically performed pretty poorly here. I think at that point in the season, the final game, Jets are going to be way out of it, and they're just going to be playing players to see if they can play next season. You would think so. Look what happened with Rex Ryan last season, and you could chalk that up to him just being the coach. You know, hey, the players want to go out and put on one last show for their coach that they know is going to get fired. Yeah, they beat they the Dolphins. They beat the hell out of the Dolphins. They beat the piss out of them. And I'll be honest, Geno Smith looked like the next, the next coming of Randall Cunningham. It was ugly. And so I, it doesn't, I, I don't know. You don't know. It's Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Jets. Are they going to be the Jets that, hey, we have a losing record at this point and we're, we know we're out of it? Or are they going to come in amped up to play the spoilers and keep us out of it? 
I got the Bills in that one. It's not even going to be close. Nah. The Jets are going to be uh, – they're not going to be that good this year. Their defense might be better, but their offense is not going to be able to keep up and score points. Yeah, I, I just – this this season has been so strange. And the way it's – the way our offseason has unfolded, as we explained earlier – with the way our schedule stacks up, we don't play a whole lot of elite quarterbacks. That's the first thing I noticed when I looked at our, if we want to do an overview of the season as a whole, we don't play a whole lot of elite quarterback talent. Brady, twice, luck, end of story. Yeah, I don't know any other quarterbacks that we play that you could even call elite. Romo's good. Romo's a very good quarterback. I don't know that he's elite. He's not in that top five, top six, you know, top... Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, Manning. Yeah. Big Ben. And last year, we made those guys, when we played those types of quarterbacks, we made, down the stretch, we made some noise. Yeah, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And we almost beat Denver. Mm-hmm. We had a, we were in the game most, most of the way. But everybody remembers Rodgers because he finally threw interceptions. Hmm... That's, it's all just going to come down to, can we make hay with this running game? Can we really do all the things that Greg Roman wants to do? Can we execute? Can Tyrod Taylor be the answer to our 15-year playoff drought? I think he can. I have the Bills in the playoffs with a wild card. I'm, I'm nervous to stake that kind of a claim. I mean, even if we do go ten and six, ten and six doesn't guarantee you anything. Typically, ten and six should guarantee you the playoffs. There are rare occasions where that doesn't happen. That happened with New England when they had Matt Castle. Mm-hmm. They went eleven and five and missed the playoffs. Miami won the division eleven and five and got the tiebreakers. I can see that. I can see it. I just. It's, it's hard for me to believe that this might be. We're on the cusp of something great, and I f- it's hard for me to wrap my hands around and my head around and just believe it. But you always have faith in the Bills. That's what we do. We circle the wagons. When they, there's games we go into that people tell me, oh, you have no shot to win that. But in 2011, Packers. I was there in the stands screaming my brains out when we were down 21 nothing, and they came back and beat the New England Patriots. It happens. It's football. That's the game. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. That's why they play the game. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and listening to us uh, jabber about the schedule and what we think. Why don't you let me know what you think? You can find me on Twitter, Rockpile Report, or you can hit us up at therockpilereport.com. Visit our website. We also have Gmail, therockpilereport at gmail.com. Go ahead, give us your thoughts. If you have anything you want to say or anything you want to talk about, we're going to open up a mailbag for our next episode after week one when we review our game against the Colts. I'm Drew Gear. This is Chris Kruger, and this has been the Rockpile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.